Welcome in, everybody. This is Total Coverage. I am eight-year NFL veteran Kirk Morrison, formerly with Jaguars, Buffalo Bills, but my first five years were spent in Oakland. I'm currently a SiriusXM NFL radio, SiriusXM sports host, college football broadcaster as well for ESPN, and I'm excited to share these airwaves with you, the listener. Interact with me. Please do. I want you to. I'm on Twitter at Kirk Morrison and Instagram at Kirk Morrison. Let me know your thoughts on what you think from the National Football League, plays that you want to talk about, things that you may have missed, things that I may have missed. We're all a family. Let's work this thing out. Let's do it together. Um, I can't wait to talk about week one and some things that stuck out to me in week one uh clock management around the national football league that's something that definitely will need to get fixed in week two but this is the first preseason game or first regular season game i should say but just a first game for everybody there was going to be some mistakes that that were being made how do you fix them that's what week two is about conditioning as well no off-season program no real strenuous type of training camp you saw the condition in latent games, man. There were some guys huffing and puffing, but that's part of the league. They'll be better in week two. And as the season goes along, that conditioning will finally be where you probably want it to be. Yes, tackling, tackling. And everybody's going to say, oh, but tackling was bad. Tackling is always bad in week one. I don't care what type of year it is. Even the offseason doesn't truly matter in this. Tackling is always going to be difficult because you don't do it in practice you're going to realize how to take certain angles. I can tell you this as a former player, you hate week two because week one after week one is over, the practice of week two is going to be so much about tackling. So extra tackle drills for everybody. That's what you're getting in week two around the national football thing, national football league. And the last thing that really caught my eye in the national football league in week one was situational football teams having to, understand the situations, whether it's two minute drill, whether it's backed up, whether it's red zone, whether it's short yardage, goal line. I saw some delay of games. It's situational football that you have to take care of. You have to be what we call situational masters. If you can master the situations of the NFL, it makes the game that much easier. But there was one thing in particular that I saw. And maybe it was just me. Maybe you can help me out here too. The people out there listening here on the SiriusXM app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast. Make sure to make sure you subscribe and listen because I need you to give me your feedback of what you may have saw that I missed or what I saw that you missed. Because the one thing that I saw in week one was seven. I saw seven. I thought it was eight, but it was really seven quarterback touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Now, people may say that's not a big number. That's not, no, but it's, to me, it's a big number. As a former defensive player in this league, the seven rushing touchdowns that I saw amongst the quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Cam Newton, who had two, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and you can call him the GOAT. I I call him Tom Brady, same thing. But At 43 years of age, Tom Brady had a rushing touchdown as well. Seven touchdowns all together by those quarterbacks. And that's what really kind of got me in week one. Yes, there were some great performances throughout and great plays. But it's those types of plays, the rushing touchdowns by the quarterback, to me, were more impactful. Because they aren't just plays that 
oh, quarterback run, touchdown, pretty cool. No, the plays that I saw that when you run them in week one and they're successful, look, man, you're putting extra work on my plate as a defensive coordinator, as a defender in the National Football League, because now I have to always understand that that play is in your toolbox. You're a handyman. These quarterbacks I saw this weekend are handymans because now they're showing you all the tools that they have in their toolbox. Now, between each play, you never know what tool they may go to. I saw that in week one of the National Football League. In those plays, I broke down each set or those seven touchdowns by the quarterbacks this weekend. And the one I think I'm going to start with has to be the rookie, Joe Burrow. Because when I talk about this play, and hopefully everybody, I don't get too football nerdy or too football geeky uh, with you, but that's just the way that I talk. This is the way that I am going to talk the game the way that I can. So when you think about the first rushing touchdown that I saw uh, was Joe Burrow, or I'm using his example. Joe Burrow goes out there, and remember, this is his first game in the National Football League. as a starting quarterback, the number one overall pick. But he's out there uh, during the game. And the previous play that he had, it was a first and 10 incomplete pass. Now it comes to second and 10. Now I want you guys to listen to me. In the National Football League, when offenses get into what I call second and long, second and 10, the term that a lot of offenses use is the term back on track. So back on track, meaning that you want to cut the amount of yardage on second down, you want to cut that yardage so you can have a manageable third down. No one wants to be in third and long or third and 10. So second and 10, you have to find a play that can cut the yardage in half. Those plays, they tend to be what? Draw plays, screen plays, or hard counts to get the defense to jump off sides. That's how you can steal a quick five yards and hopefully gives you a much shorter third down or even give you an opportunity to take a shot on second down if those certain things happen. Well, this was a second and 10 play and Joe Burrow gets to the line of scrimmage and he's in empty formation. When empty formation, meaning there is no backs in the backfield, every eligible receiver is out at the line of scrimmage. That forces the team that they're playing, the Chargers, to have to figure how are they going to cover this? They can cover it in man, they can play zone. They decide to just play a form of man with a safety in the middle of the field. This is where Joe Burrow, and I realized that this was a play that was called in the huddle as a second option. If you get the look, right, the look that you want as a quarterback, you're going to say, you know what? I have the ability to change the play. I say that because as I watch the film on this particular play, Joe Burrow gets out of the huddle, the, the offense goes to the line of scrimmage, and before anything even happened, he used the term can. He says can, can, can. And look, we'll have EJ Manuel, former first round quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, and he'll explain some of the terminologies that quarterbacks use. But when you hear the term can, can, it's not saying, yes, I can do it. No, can meaning like trash can, meaning trash the play. Trash what I called in the huddle and go with the second play. So when I heard the term can, 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 and again, everybody, this is what the National Football League is in 2020. 
with no crowd noise, basically, with no fans in the stands, you're being able to hear the cadence, the talk, the communication by quarterbacks, offensive line, defensive player. You can now hear the communication that used to be drowned out in years past due to fans. So when Joe Burrow goes to the line of scrimmage and says, can, 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 he's basically canning the original play and he's going to go to the backup play. Well, the backup play was the QB draw where I think he was just trying to, like I said, cut the second down in half and get a manageable third down. But what happens is he snaps the football and shotgun and literally takes off because the Chargers lined up in a front. Their defensive alignment was that the tackles were lined up uh, on the guards. The ends were lined up on the tackles or the offensive tackles. That left both A-gaps, meaning the gaps on each side of the center, wide open. If I'm Joe Burrow, I'm taking that. And that's exactly what he did. And he got to the second level. And with the center who snapped the football being uncovered, remember I said the tackles were over the guards. The defensive ends were over the offensive tackles. No one was covering the guard. Joe Burrow snapped the football and took off. He had an offensive lineman in front of him that that was able to get another block that sealed it for Joe Burrow to make basically a move and to race into the end zone for a touchdown. That was the one play that I said, wow, because you saw a quarterback who knew what he was going to do. Obviously, he was called in a huddle, but to see the way the play developed and why it happened. It happened because the Chargers, the why, the why it happened was because the Chargers lined up with no one in the A-gaps. And a lot of times you forget that Joe Burrow is, because you don't know him just yet. You don't know what's all in his tool bag, in his toolbox. We know him as a thrower, a guy who threw for a record-setting Heisman Trophy numbers at LSU. But you forget about the legs. And so why it ha- why this play happened was because of his legs. He took off, ran, and he made an exceptional guy miss, and they ran it in for a touchdown. Then the next guy I want to talk about, because I'm moving on to these plays really quickly, it was Cam Newton. He scored two touchdowns in the game, rushing touchdowns. And the funny thing is that when I watched Cam Newton's plays, they were the same plays, but they were made differently. This is the Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And Cam Newton, and everyone's trying to figure out what is Cam Newton's skill set within this offense. Are there going to be more heavy run or heavy pass? Well, Cam Newton ran basically uh, an old school Cam Newton, Auburn University Heisman Trophy winning style of football of running the ball. So on this particular play that I first saw the first rushing touchdown, it was first and goal from the four yard line. Now, this is where I want the listeners to understand because I think it's this is always lost in the National Football League, that no one talks enough about this. Hash marks, the little lines that you see in the middle of the field. Hash marks mean something, especially to me as a former defensive player in the league. Hash marks mean something, because if a ball is on a hash mark, always look to see where the offensive formation is being lined up at, because sometimes it is a telltale of where the ball is going or where it may not be going. So when I look at the play for Cam Newton, and I'm gonna break it down for you. The ball was on the left hash mark. Left hash mark. 
11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. With the ball being on the left hash mark, the three wide receivers are to the left. That's what we call the short side of the field. Then when you think about the right side of the field, the, the, the whole entire field was wide open because it was just the tight end on the back side, on that side. So we call that the, the, the nub side because there's only one person there. So it was basically an end to that formation. So as the play is starting to develop or before it even starts, Cam Newton sends the running back in motion, not to the wide side of the field, he sends the running back to the short side of the field where the three receivers are, right? So in your mind, you're saying, oh, that's nothing. But think about it. Why would you put all of that action, three receivers to a short side of the field, and then motion a running back over there? All this chaos, and you're looking at all of this, and then guess what? The ball is snapped. And Cam Newton is looks, not even looks to that left side of the field. All he does is have an offensive lineman pull out in front to the wide side of the field and basically walks into the end zone. So people may look and say, wow, that was a great play design. But just remember how it happened. It happened because they had so much room on the wide side of the field and all the and all the numbers were to the short side of the field. Four eligible receivers, or what I call four strong, four eligible receivers were to the short side of the field. And there, all the action was there. How do you how do you d defense that? Well, it's a little it's difficult because everybody's thinking about I gotta cover my guy. I'm keeping my eye on the running back, the receivers. But yet you forget that there's a wide side of the field, one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. Cam Newton runs it in for a touchdown by great blocking up front by the offensive line. And they came back and they actually ran the same play later in the game, but they dressed it up differently. Ball similarly, but this time was on the in the middle of the field, slightly toward the left hash. The three wide receivers were on the other side or on, on that short side again. But this time they spread the tight end all the way out like a receiver and they put a running back out there. They motioned the running back back into the field, back into the backfield and faked a handoff as if he's going to that three receiver side again. And everybody bit again going to the three receiver side. It was actually a mirror of the same play from earlier, but instead of motioning the guy before the snap, they faked a handoff. So they still got four strong. And then Ham Newton again, racing all the way to the outside for a touchdown. And that's the way things work in the National Football League. Those two plays in particular, uh, two touchdown runs by Cam Newton in particular were ones that I saw that I said, man, this is great play calling, but it's also to me something that you can do um, when you have experience with someone running the football. The next quarterback now that I saw this weekend was just a, a couple guys in particular. It wasn't really too much of a, of a crazy play of a where uh, they broke down a defense or anything like that. It was just kind of read plays. Deshaun Watson did it on Thursday night. It was just a simple read option play that we've seen throughout college football every single Saturday. We see it in the NFL a little bit where uh, the quarterback takes a snap out of shotgun 
he fakes a handoff to the running back or he reads the defensive end who's closest to him. And if the defensive end crashes down on the running back, then the quarterback is taught to pull the football and run it. Now, if that defensive end does not crash down on the running back who is looking to get the football, then all of a sudden the quarterback sees that, hands it off, and now that's how the play sort of works. The read option play, Deshaun Watson scored a touchdown. Hey, it was late in the game against Kansas City, but again, it goes on tape. And now that is part of the 2020 resume of Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans offense. Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback in this game, I, I saw was uh, against the New York Jets. It, it was funny. It was a first and goal play. Ball, again, I'm talking about hash marks as well, always. Ball's on the right hash. Okay, but they were in 13, maybe 14. It was heavy package, meaning that it was extra offensive linemen, a fullback, tight ends. I mean, it was not a skill position player out there besides the quarterback and the running back. But everybody's lined up on the right side. And I'm going to tell you, take you to the mind of a defensive player. You bring in the big uglies, the big offensive linemen, all of those guys, tight ends. That means that you're trying to play bully football. You're trying to push me, get great push that we are bigger and stronger than you and you can't stop us. That's the mentality we feel that offensive linemen and offenses do when they bring in those types of guys. But on this particular play, Buffalo does that. They have all these offensive linemen and extra offensive linemen and tackles and tight ends and a fullback. And I know the mentality of the Jets were that, oh, they're going to power run the football right at us. But they didn't do that. Josh Allen took the snap from under center, faked the handoff, and just basically bootlegged and ran to the, to the pylon to his left, and there was nobody in sight. So that is all about just understanding that you bring in people for a certain reason, and you assume that they're going to do one thing, and they do something totally different. Now, Tom Brady, on the other hand, in the game against New Orleans, it was a situation, it was second and goal from the two-yard line. And I've known from my career, fourth, fourth and one Tom Brady, third and one Tom Brady, he likes to quick snap. He likes to sneak. Those are his plays. I remember my coach at the time just had a reel, a straight reel of all Tom Brady quick snaps. And the thing went for like 10 minutes. Because Tom Brady has done it over and over and over in his years. And you forget about it. You forget about it. Because when you're in the game, you're worried about so much. And then, boom, he does it. And when you do it, all he does, you just kick yourself and say, ah, I, I knew he was going to do it. But that's what he did. But they were in a 13 personnel, similar to what Josh Allen and the, and the Buffalo Bills were in. But Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they got into one back, three tight ends. They were all lined up on the strong side, okay? So they were, like I said, left hash mark, but everybody's to the right. So that means that all the action was going to be toward the right. The New Orleans Saints loaded their defense to the offense's right, basically, so they can have everybody matched up. But in doing so, they created sort of an open gap. The open gap was the A gap. The defense had the, the, the alignment, and Tom Brady knew that. And so, Instead of basically going with the play that was probably called in the huddle, Tom Brady walks up to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't even give a cadence, just slaps uh, the center's butt. Balls hike quickly. Tom dives before the defense is even able to react because there was no cadence. It's a simple, simple touchdown. 
that's something that people have to continue to watch. And now that it's on tape, you know that it's part of the tool bag for Tom Brady and the last quarterback, Kyler Murray, man. Um, I, I think I said it before. I think he's going to be a true MVP candidate. But on a second and nine, he's, you know, the quarterback, he reads the blitz and his offensive line running backs, they all pick up the blitz. Now, it's what's the decision of the quarterback, because this was not a design, a design run for Kyler Murray at this time. Remember, the score was 13 to 10 San Francisco over Arizona. They're driving near the in the red zone near or near the red zone, I should say. Kyler Murray sees his offensive line running back pick up the blitz. And he saw there was a, a gap that was open because the 49ers kind of got out of their rush lane. You can never do that, by the way. Rushing lanes, you must stay in. Now, there's some guys who are just, hey, they're much better pass rushers and things like that, and they have the ability to freelance. But you're always taught to stay in your rush lane and not give the quarterback anywhere to escape. 49ers, they did not listen to that part. Kyler Murray escapes, he gets to the open field, and when he gets to the open field, it's good night, it's canceled Christmas, it's let the band play because he's that good of an athlete. He is that guy that can make guys miss. He made Richard Sherman miss on his run to the outside, and it was a touchdown. Those types of plays can't happen if you're a defense. They're demoralizing, but offensively, that is what's scary because now that is something that every defense going up against the Arizona Cardinals must figure out that play or when it's going to happen or be able to defend it when that happens. So what does that mean? You may have a guy who does not blitz and become a spy or we call a rat, a rat player, meaning that you can't blitz. You have to stand right here in the middle of the field. And if Tyler, if Kyler Murray breaks, you got to break with him. So now you may see some more spies uh, on Kyler Murray. So from the offensive side, this is what you can get. It was what you may see. But I got to get some expertise from a guy who's played the position. And now joining us here on Total Coverage, a Sirius XM host, college football host, I should say. He's on the ACC Network and The Huddle, the show on the ACC Network as well. He's former first-round quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. He's EJ Manuel. EJ, I, when I saw week one in the National Football League, one thing that stuck out to me over everything, right? I, there was little things that I saw for whether it was, you know, situational football, whether it was conditioning, tackling, all that stuff. But I saw some quarterbacks rushing for yeah. touchdowns and there were seven. Cam Newton had two, but seven rushing touchdowns by the quarterback. And so I kind of wanted to pick your brain just about that in particular, because when we think of now the quarterback in the NFL, using that as a weapon where before everybody was so much about pocket passers staying in the pocket throwing the football you escaped when you could or when you needed to but now seeing right. especially down there in the red zone how quarterbacks are almost like primary runners so my first question would be is what what's the mindset now of when you make a red zone game plan and you know that you may have to call your own number. How much does that go into a game plan? Yeah, well, first, Kurt, thanks for having me on, bro. It's good to uh, catch back up with you, man. I know I haven't seen you in a few months since all this craziness has been going on. But um, as far as the quarterback scoring these touchdowns, man, I think it's excellent. Uh, I think it's a multitude of reasons. Uh, one, of the, one of the largest being that we just have more agile quarterbacks, more guys that can run 
and will run. You know, I think in years past, as a quarterback, if you were saw as a guy that was a running QB, you know, it was a knock. Whereas now, I think that's what GMs and, you know, offensive coordinators are looking for. They're looking for the next Lamar Jackson, you know, the next uh, Deshaun Watson, the next Josh Allen. These guys that can take off and make plays with their feet. And a lot of times it bails out the, uh, it bails out the offense because, say, if it's a, you know, especially down in the red zone, a lot of times defenses will play two-man or, or one man. And a lot of times, you know, once all the linebackers and the nickel and the DBs are, you know, covering their respective receiver or tight end and they're running along with the route, there's nobody to cover the quarterback. And then when you have twisting games up front from the defensive line, you know, those guys get out of whack. The QBs are, you know, agile enough to squeak out and make some plays. And so, you know, these touchdowns, this, or excuse me, these runs aren't just turning into, you know, five, 10 yard gains. You know, these QBs are trying to put their head down and, and get scores. And so, I think it's really good for the game. I also think what it's going to cause is the defenses to to now really have to play all six eligible eligible people on offense. You know, usually you might have, you know, four receivers, a running back, and that's kind of all you have to cover is five guys. But now you got to really cover six because if the quarterback can take off and make plays with his feet, you know, that's an extra weapon. And, you know, we haven't even talked about some of the other guys like Tyrod Taylor. He can take off and run. Uh, I know Baker Mayfield, he can use his feet. Uh, there's a bunch of guys throughout the league that can, you know, take off and make plays. Pat Mahomes, he can run too. So I think we're going to continue to see that as the season, you know, continues to move forward. EJ, how many times uh, would a play like uh, certain run calls, whether it's the read option or whether it's a, you know, a, a quarterback counter, how many times do certain plays kind of get called just to show a look? Maybe not necessarily right. part of the game plan, but you just want to show the defense a different look. You may not run that play for the rest of the season, but you're running in week one just to give <laughs> right. the defense all. How many times have you ran plays like that? And, and what's the purpose of running a play that may not be part of your offense? Kurt, well, you know that all too well as a linebacker, man. I mean, this this game is uh, it's, it's uh, X's and O's, bro. And um, like any like any good wise offensive coordinator, they're going to show you some stuff and you know, try to get you to prepare for in your week of practice. And then when you get to play us on Sunday, we don't run any of it. You know, we run, we run something completely different. So I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of window dressing by these offensive coordinators who, you know, they've had plenty of time, you know, with quarantine to sit and watch film and then, you know, devise new ways to, to make defensive coordinators sweat and to really make, you know, linebackers play, you know, sideline to sideline. You know, I know when I was playing, uh, there was a few times where, you know, the coaches say, hey, look, if this guy bites down in his own read, pull it and get what you can and then get out of bounds or get down. Um, you know, so a lot of it is put on the quarterback to, to have the option to, to make these plays. Um, but then also, again, when you get a defense that plays man-to-man or specifically two-man down in the red zone, I remember all my coaches, offensive coordinator-wise, would tell me, hey, look, if you see two-man, catch the ball, drop back for about two seconds and take off and run because, again, there's nobody accounting for the quarterback. Yeah, that was a, the play that I watched with Kyler Murray, who had one of the rushing touchdowns. He goes back into the pocket, and it was a blitz by the 49ers. Uh, basically, everyone picks it up. Everyone does their job in terms of the offensive line and the running backs, but it opened up a small crease. And could he have stayed in the pocket and delivered the pass? Yes, but when they open up a lane for him, he takes off – he runs and look scores a touchdown but like you mentioned when does a quarterback say okay I need to run to escape I need to run and get what I can or I need to throw the football away because I saw 
as well, Daniel Jones, Monday Night Football. I know he made a mistake trying to get the ball away, but it was intercepted and cost his team points down in the red zone. So kind of take me the mindset of a quarterback when that blitz or that rush is bearing down. What's the thought process and what you must you always uh, keep in mind on? Yeah, well, I know as a, as a mental team for quarterbacks, you always got to have that time clock in your head. Uh, a lot of times the, the, the time clock is associated with your read, you know. So when you get down in the red zone, you automatically know, okay, uh, are these guys a high blitz, you know, percentage team down here uh, between the 20 and the 15 or between the 15 and the 10? And this is something that you go through with your coaches and your team during the week of practice. So you already have that working for you as far as preparation. But once you actually get into the game and that ball is snapped, it's a different ball game. And I think as far as the quarterbacks deciding whether to run, whether to run, to scramble and get out the pocket and throw the ball away, or to look for an open receiver, I think that's just based off what you're comfortable with. You know, a guy like Kyler Murray, he, he's more confident in his running ability. So I can completely see why, of course, he's breaking the pocket to look to throw the football, but he's going to try to get what he can. I mean, this guy, we all know this is why he was drafted first overall, because he can do both at a very high level and a consistent level. And I think that's what DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, that's what his teammates want him to do, is to be himself. And so I would say the biggest thing, man, is when you get down there, it's just a matter of, hey, you got to protect yourself and your team. You know, so I think as far as when you do decide to tuck and run, you still got to be smart and say, hey, look, am I, am I going to help my team for getting an extra two yards and banging up my shoulder for the rest of the season? Or am I helping my team by getting out of bounds or throwing the ball into the third deck and we move on to the next play? I allow my offensive coordinator to call up another play or we just take three points from a field goal. So, um, you know, it's a split, split second decision, but I think it all comes down to what you're comfortable with as a player. A couple more here with Sirius XM, ACC Network, and the host of The Huddle on ESPN, ACC Network, college football, EJ Manuel. And, and EJ, I, I, I was looking at uh, sort of a, a couple plays uh, this weekend or this past weekend. And I kind of thought to myself, if you look at the way that Tom Brady plays the quarterback position, much different than we would say Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, but yet he does something every single time, and it still kills me to this day, that he can call his own number. He had a rushing touchdown, EJ, but it wasn't because he you know, took off and ran for five yards. He got to the line of scrimmage, saw that the A-gap was uncovered, and he doesn't even do a cadence. He just taps the center's butt, they quick snap it, and he runs in for or dives in for a touchdown. Uh, was, was there any sort of check with me calls that you remember that – or what goes into the mind of the quarterback walking to the line of scrimmage knowing that, okay, I have something here. The rest of the guys on the team may not know, but I know that yeah. hey, I can do this. Yeah, and that's something that uh, – the coach would definitely go over with you during the week of practice. But look, I mean, Tom Brady's been playing the game for 40 years. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. uh, he, he has the keys to the car to be able to do something like that. And basically you just pretty much goose the center. You just give him a quick butt, butt pat. And, you know, sometimes you might give a code word. I, I don't know what it might be, but basically letting the, the center and the two guards know, hey, look, I'm about to hit a quarterback sneak real quick. And a lot of times the running backs or receivers, they won't even know. They'll still do what they think they're about to do. But, as a QB, man, if you get up there and you see that A-gaps open, you, you know, think that, hey, that three technique's pretty wide to the left or to the right. You just kind of tell your guard and you tell your center, like, all right, here, here's what we're about to do. You get the quick snap and you try to get down and you get in the end zone. And then a, a couple of the other ones too, man. I mean, as far as Cam's touchdown to run into the right, 
Uh, and then I think the other one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I want to say it might have been Deshaun's. Basically, nobody was covering the quarterback. I mean, a lot of – and, and I, I do kind of assume this is because of rust. You know, this is because these defenses haven't played and, you know, they haven't had a preseason game. And obviously they've been going against their own offense and practice. But um, I, I do expect the next week, next two weeks of NFL, you know, season – that these things won't happen as often. I think some of the quarterback runs will be a little harder. I mean, a lot of times these guys are just making play action, you know, play action fakes and then just running to the left or the right and nobody's out there within 10 yards, right? So I do think this is something that the uh, defensive coordinators are going to be hard on the defensive ends, making sure they don't lose contain, uh, trying to, you know, be too hungry or too quick to jump down and try to tackle a running back when these quarterbacks are just faking it and just, you know, doing a bootleg. So, um, you know, I'm glad that it's happening. I, I think it's good for the game. But I definitely will tell you, I, I don't think it's going to happen too much more often <laughs> as the season goes, especially the easy gimme ones like that where there's nobody in sight. <laughs> Absolutely, man. He is an NFL, a college football, Sirius XM, ACC football analyst. He's EJ Manuel. And EJ, man, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for the knowledge today. Of course, Kurt. Thanks, man. Stay safe. My big play, big catch, big momentum change of the week. It goes to Henry Ruggs. A pass and catch from Derek Carter Ruggs for 45 yards. That was one of the better plays because of the design and what went into it that made me so excited. Not because it was my former team. No, not at all. But it was because of football one-on-one that when you think about the way that everything happened, the how, the why, you kind of sit back and you say, man, you could have saw this coming. I say this because let me just take you back to the play. It was third and one, right? Right before the play, Josh Jacobs running back. He runs for a first down. Okay. Where the ball now crossed the 50 yard line. It was on the Carolina 46 yard line. First and 10. Now here comes the homework. Here comes the, what you always have to learn as a defensive player. I always say first and 10 or anytime someone is near the 50 or across the 50, especially on first down, it's called shot alert. Shot alert meaning watch for a shot to the end zone. I mean, you should be screaming it. Shot alert, shot alert. Hey, everybody, shot alert. That's telling the corners and everybody be a little passive, play a little deeper in your coverage because offenses tend to take a shot to the end zone. That was always what you talk about. That's what you need to do. Well, it's first and 10, ball in the 46 of Carolina. The Raiders come out in a 12 personnel package. That's one back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers. You got to start understanding with the Raiders personnel, Darren Waller is a tight end, but he's sort of the pass-catching tight end. Jason Witten, a name that people all know, former tight end of the Dallas Cowboys. <sighs> I love Jason, and I'm not being <laughs> not being down on, but Jason is really a glorified tackle right now. He is basically a guy who is going to be used in the blocking. He only had one catch in the game. He's really about helping out the offensive line, being an extra blocker, and being a guy that has to make the defense be honest because he does have the ability to catch but he has an outstanding ability to block. And in this particular instance, the Raiders come out in a two by two form, well, a 
basically it, it looks as if they're in a three by one situation where you have tight end Jason Witten who's lined up as a tight end, but he's more kind of in the backfield. Darren Waller, he is all the way spread out as like he's a wide receiver with Henry Ruggs as well. But right before the snap, Derek Carr motions Ruggs all the way across the formation and he forms sort of what looks like a two by two kind of formation, which made the Carolina Panthers have to adjust what they were going to run. It seems as if the Panthers were in a sort of half man, half cover two situation or guys just did not get the communication. What I just talked about earlier with the Rams and Cowboys and how the Rams communicated, the Raiders forced the Panthers to have to communicate. And what they did was they ended up doubling a guy that they shouldn't have, Darren Waller on the backside. Because of the motion, they forgot about Henry Ruggs, who motioned all the way to the slot and at the snap of the football ran a deep over route that forced Carolina to have to use the middle field safety, who's usually supposed to stay in the middle of the field. But it was a rookie cornerback, Troy Pride, who played on the backside, who should have realized that they were sort of playing a cover three-ish kind of uh, shell that he should always keep his third of the field. When I say third, the football field is divided in thirds in certain coverages or halves or quarter, quarter, half, or there's so many ways that you can divide up. The, when you hear cover four, that means the field is divided in fourths. But when you hear cover three, the field is divided into thirds. Troy Pride, because of the motion, got caught into trying to help out on Darren Waller that he voided his third. He did not stay all the way back which Derek Carr and the Raiders knew that they had it. And Henry Ruggs just ran an outstanding route and it forced the middle field safety, who everyone may say it was his fault, but it's not his fault. He's supposed to stay in his middle third. It was the other third defender that just got basically sucked up on a decoy route from Darren Waller, who had just ran a similar route earlier that caught them off guard. And then Henry Ruggs goes right in behind him for an outstanding play. That was, I think, a big momentum shift in the game because it opened up uh, the passing game for the Raiders and it forced Carolina. Why? It forced Carolina to have to keep the safeties back because they could not keep up with the speed of rugs, which allowed a guy like Josh Jacobs to rush for three touchdowns because of the one play, I believe, rugs getting deep. Now you got to play some different coverages, more cover two, keep everybody in front. But when you play more coverage, I mean, you're kind of weak in the run game. The Raiders exploited that. And that one play, I felt, helped them run the football even better because it was one less guy in the box. And that's what happens in the National Football League. That's all I have for this week's episode of Total Coverage. Man, so much to get cover each and every week. Hopefully I brought you just a little bit more knowledge to the game and basically explained some things that caught my eye and also some plays that really opened up, I think, just so much of the beauty of communication uh, and what goes into play calls and how do you execute each and every single week. I'm excited to be here, excited to do this as always. I hope you will join the ride each and every week and don't forget to Make sure you contact me at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, Instagram, but also make sure you subscribe. 
whether it's SiriusXM, the app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast, make sure you subscribe, listen, and rate. Let me know what you think. For myself, Kirk Morrison, this has been Total Coverage. See you all next week. Good football, y'all.